Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Check your calendars, folks. It's Election Day in America once again. And it's a horse race. Literally. I'll explain. And the president goes to war and is slapped with a charge of sexism. This is the State of America tonight. But it's difficult to drain the swamp when you're up to your neck in alligators. There's a special place in hell for Republicans who should know better. This is about a Republican Party that's been torn apart. More and more will be the gift that keeps on giving for Democrats. It is time that we put our decency before political parties. I ask that Congress investigate Mr. Trump's history of sexual misconduct. The president has denied any of these allegations, and the American people knew this and voted for the president. There is uh, a reckoning happening in this country. Those women should be heard. Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin, live in New York. To our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America tonight. It's my favorite time of year, of course, and I am not just talking about the holidays. It's Election Day in America once again, or at least in one critical southern state. Alabama voters heading to the polls in a deep red Republican state in the deep south. But are things a change in there? That is what voters decide today. This was already a competitive race, but then those allegations came out against Roy Moore and it made it all the more tighter. Embattled Republican candidate Roy Moore up against Democrat Doug Jones. And true to form, the most unusual race is ending in the most unusual way. Roy Moore arriving to vote on horseback this morning. Yes, a real horse. Her name is Sassy. I know you were interested. And he is still facing questions not only about his past, but also about his immediate future. If you win tonight, what's your message to Senator McConnell? Well, I'm coming to the Senate, and uh, we'll work out our problems there. Straight from the horse's mouth, you could say. Sorry. I couldn't help myself. But this is a real horse race. I know. I did it again. I'll end there. Doug Jones voting himself, voting himself, and probably likely we'd guess for himself this morning. He says, don't be fooled. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Alabama's not going to let that shame happen again. The reason this race is so tight in a state that pretty much always votes Republican, you're smart, you know this, you've listened, because of Roy Moore's past, frankly. He's accused of sexually abusing a 14-year-old girl and assaulting a 16-year-old girl decades ago. He was twice their age. Moore denies the accusations, and in making his final pitch last night, he got personal. I'm going to tell you, if you don't believe in my character, don't vote for me. That is one way to make a final pitch. Doug Jones brought in some star power, former NBA star and son of, and son of Alabama, Charles Barkley. He had this to say in his final pitch. I love Alabama, but at some point we got to draw a line in the sand. So we just, 
We're not a bunch of damn idiots. <laughs> and that's another way to make a final pitch. Here's a third for you to try on. Roy Moore's wife defending her husband against charges of bigotry. And she had this to say. Fake news would tell you that we don't care for Jews. I tell you all this because I've seen it all, so I just want to set the record straight while they're here. One of our attorneys is a Jew. Well, I guess I can say this. We have been called worse, and I'm just going to leave that there. And the final pitch from Roy Moore's chief surrogate and hater of all things Washington, Steve Bannon, a warning to all establishment Republicans. There's a special place in hell for Republicans who should know better. Does that sound familiar at all? Yes, maybe. Could it be because it's almost exactly what the president's daughter Ivanka said in an interview last month reacting to the allegations against, of course, Roy Moore? A response to what the president's daughter told the AP, and here it is. Here is what she told the AP. There is a special place in hell for people who prey on children. Quite the coincidence in that wording. I guess I'll also leave that one right there. But forget about them. Forget about any more talking, any more campaigning, any more stumping, any more persuading. It is all up to the voters now. Nobody is trying to persuade anybody at this point. But it, it is tough to say just simply low turnout favors one or the other because it's the composite of the electorate that shows up that is going to matter most. And no one knows exactly what that's going to be until all the votes are cast. And after that, if Roy Moore makes it to the Senate, it looks like he's got some new problems on his hands now. The top Republican in the Senate telling CNN to CNN would not commit to giving Moore even a single committee assignment. Mitch McConnell saying this to CNN, quote, that's a good conversation for some time after tomorrow. That would be wild, to say the least. I know it sounds inside baseball, but follow me. Committee assignments are where the senators really wield their power and also bring change and influence on behalf of the constituents who voted for them and put them in office. Add to that, McConnell wouldn't even say if Republicans would welcome Roy Moore to their weekly policy lunches. It's a sort of social hour where every senator in the party shows up. They have popcorn. They have lots of things. They do have lunch, and they talk about important things to the party. What does Roy Moore think about all that? I don't exactly know. But he had this message for those very same Republicans last night. Talk about draining the swamp. I don't know if you remember this, but it's difficult to drain the swamp when you're up to your neck in alligators. We're up to the neck in people that don't want change in Washington, D.C. They want to keep it the same, keep their power, keep their prestige, and keep their position. And we've got to change that. Did he just offend alligators there? I won't stand for it. I'm serious. There are some other people looking for change in Washington right now as well. More than 50 female Democratic House lawmakers. They are calling on Congress to launch an investigation now into sexual misconduct allegations against President Donald Trump. For too long, accountability has not been the priority and bad behavior has gone unchecked. For too long, we have accepted cop-outs like locker room talk. For too long, courageous voices has fallen upon deaf ears, and now that time is over. And I'm sorry, Mr. President, 
you do not live under a different set of rules. So that's in the House. In the Senate, four Senate Democrats are taking it even a step further. Forget about an investigation. They're calling on the president to resign. President Trump should resign. Uh, these allegations are credible. They are numerous. Uh, I've heard these women's testimony, and many of them are heartbreaking. And President Trump should resign his position. And that did not sit too well with the president himself, launching into attack mode on Twitter today with this at that Senator Gillibrand. Lightweight Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, a total flunky for Chuck Schumer and someone who would come to the, my office begging for campaign contributions not so long ago and would do anything for them, is now in the ring fighting against Trump. Would do anything for them. Hmm. Well, that didn't sit so well with Senator Gillibrand. I see it as a, sex, a sexist smear. I mean, that's what it is. And it's part of the president's effort at name-calling. And it's not going to silence me. It's intended to silence me. It's not going to silence the women who have stood up against him directly. And it's not going to silence the millions of women out there who have been speaking out every day since his inauguration about things they disagree with. Not only that, one leading voice in this movement, former Fox News anchor Gretchen Carlson, says when the president talks like this, it only backfires. I think he's brought a lot of this attention back to himself because the more that he supports a candidate like Roy Moore and the more that he tweets out about this, yeah. the accusers against Donald Trump are going to continue to have more of a voice. An important and serious question. What happens to this movement if Roy Moore wins? And what happens then if he loses, considering how big an issue sexual misconduct has become in this campaign? Ponder that. Stand by to stand by on that one. In the meantime, I have an update on medical advice that was offered yesterday. No, the president has not changed his diet of from a dozen Diet Cokes a day and something like two Big Macs and all these other McDonald's favorites as his favorite meals, but I did get a second opinion on what it really could mean. Here's Dr. Sanjay Gupta. I gotta say, you know, it, does, it doesn't take a doctor to tell you that this is a horrible <laughs> diet. I mean, this, it's just, it's a horrible diet. Everybody knows that. My eight-year-old was watching this and said, that's a terrible diet that the president's eating. Yeah, seriously. And I don't know if the stress of today's election in Alabama is going to help him at all with that diet. But regardless, take two of these and call me in the morning. But honestly, who needs medicine when we've got election results to gear up for? Exactly. CNN Kaylee Hartung is in Montgomery, Alabama's voters cast their ballots. She's joining me now. So, Kaylee, what are you hearing from folks there on the ground? Okay, no one has arrived at this precinct on horseback, uh, but there has been a steady stream of voters coming in to the 101 precinct in Alabama's capital city of Montgomery today. So if this precinct is any indication, turnout is good. We've been talking for weeks about how key it would be in this election. Officials here telling me turnout not quite what they've seen for presidential elections, but more than they saw for the primary or the runoff to fill this seat earlier this year. All that being said, this race has put such a spotlight on the state of Alabama. Many voters today tell me they're just unfamiliar with getting that kind of attention on their politics because this has been such a dependably red state for so long. The last time they elected a Democrat to the United States Senate was half, I'm sorry, a quarter of a century ago. And that was Richard Shelby, who now, of course, is a Republican representing Alabama in the Senate. So 
with that in mind, I talked to one voter who told me he had a friend call him from Boston, Massachusetts, and tell him how to vote in this election. He had two more friends call him from Georgia and tell him how to vote in this election. But then he said, the people of Alabama don't like being told what to do. And when they are told, the more they will resist. We have heard that line uh, in varying degrees from both candidates over the course of this race. We'll see how that translates here today. Now, there's a bit of a lull at this precinct right now in the middle of the day, uh, but we're told to expect another kick in uh, attendance here at the polls around 4 o'clock central before polls close at 7 p.m. this evening. Yep, right when folks can get out of work and they can get to those polls. Is it a national race? Is it a local race? Sounds like a mixed bag at this moment. Kaylee, great to see you. Thanks so much. Coming up for us, it all comes down to turnout. Yes, it's a cliche, and it is one for a reason because it's true, but who is going to the polls and who's deciding just to stay home and the huge implications that decision has on the Republican Party, the Republican majority in the Congress, and the power of the president to get anything done. The panel's next. The money's been spent, the speeches are over, and now the rubber meets the road. Voters are now at the polls in the Alabama special election, and the stakes for the Republican Party, for the president, for the world, let's just say, because I like to build it up, couldn't be higher. The panel tonight, Joe Borelli, Republican, New York City Councilman. Sabrina Siddiqui, she's a politics reporter for The Guardian. Alice Stewart is a CNN political commentator and former communications director for Republican Ted Cruz's presidential campaign. And Basil Smichels, a senior advisor to New York, the New York State Democratic Party. Let's get to it. Too much to do. Sabrina, can you talk about what really matters tonight without saying the word turnout? No, not really. <laughs> um, because the fact of the matter is, in election cycles going back to 2000, party identification has been the first and foremost driver of how people cast their ballots. Mm-hmm. And even if you look at last year, Hillary Clinton made a concerted effort to try to appeal to Republicans who had reservations about Donald Trump. You saw Doug Jones try and use that same playbook, even though roughly 90% of Republicans came home to Trump. I think they will come home to Roy Moore. And that's why Doug Jones is really focused on African-American turnout. But even if he did achieve a high number... Even if he runs the table on it, is it really going to be enough in a state Donald Trump won by 30 points? Exactly right. Um, Stop being so smart. Alice... (laughs) Are Republicans really going to, this is what I've been kind of kicking around today, are Republicans really going to show up on a relatively, quote unquote, cold day in Alabama, because it's probably like 50, um, and not, and write it, and just to write in a candidate or vote for a Democrat? I don't see that happening. I mean, if the president and the RNC would have gotten behind that idea, which I wish they would have done, that would have been the wise thing to do, to put principles and integrity over political outcome. That may have happened. However, they got behind Roy Moore, who I believe is a flawed candidate. Look, so many people are saying, who's going to win? Who, you know, what are the odds? What are the polls saying? I can say, professionally speaking, going <laughs> way out on a limb, the person who will win is the one who has the most votes. At the You're end so of crazy, night. girl. I, I try to go. But I here's the problem. Is I think it's if, if Doug Jones wins, the Republicans lose because we have a pro-abortion, soft-on-crime candidate in the Senate. And if Roy Moore wins, then we have a Republican in the Senate who will be a poster child for a party that is not helping well, helpful to win. And, and Lindsey Graham said exactly the same thing essentially it's a is republican senator from south carolina never one to hold back um it's a lose-lose he's saying if you you either get a democrat or you've got roy moore in the senate and roy moore that you're going to deal with in 2018 for all the all the elections that are coming up so 
Is there a counter-argument to that, do you think, Joe? Well, I mean, I'll defer to Mitch McConnell. I mean, he came out in November and basically said Roy Moore is not fit to be in the Senate, but there's no other options. And for the Republicans, it's, it's a big problem because it's not just the, the tax bill that's coming up. It really is all of their agenda until yeah. whatever fallout from 2018 happens, happens. I mean, this is the person that will be there. Um, so whether it's even judicial appointments, whether it's, you know, court appointments, uh, uh, executive branch mm-hmm. appointments, everything rides on this Senate seat. And, and he's had problems with... 52 senators. Uh, imagine with 51. Exactly. That's a really good way of putting it. Basil, but if you take that logic, like it's, it's a lose-lose for Republicans no matter what, um, but especially if Roy Moore gets in, are Democrats secretly hoping Roy Moore does win in the raw political sense? I don't know if they're secretly hoping for that, um, quite frankly, because uh, the truth of the matter is even if he wins, we still have to get our game together, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. I don't think that that... Him winning or losing, I, I think, yes, it's a great talking point if we actually have the opportunity to get a Democrat in that seat. Absolutely. And I think it provides momentum similar to what happened in uh, Virginia after that election. But the truth of the matter is we still have to get our act together. It's not good enough for him to just win. And we can use him as a poster child for the Republican Party going forward. Um, we still have a tremendous ground game ahead of us. And, and the, the other quick point that I'd make is it's a very red state. Yeah. And yes. it's, it's, it would be wrong for us to make the same mistake there that we did in Georgia a few months back, exactly which is right. try to sort of overhype the race, put all these resources in there, and not realizing that we need to have a stronger But you've got Charles Barkley. Love and Charles. And when is it Sir never, Charles. you got to love Sir Charles. When is it ever a good idea to tell folks in a final pitch, we have to prove to the country not, we're not a bunch of idiots. That, like, that is, like, what is that, that a good pitch? That, that works for someone who's the hometown guy, and they yeah, like him. True. He can get away with that. We could not <laughs> sit up here from our high perch here in New York City we and say that. We also can't dunk. That's <laughs> that was thing. a slam dunk. Great but, point. Great also can't dunk. To that point, though, I think that Roy Moore's uh, continued success, uh, at least in keeping together his supporters, really reemphasizes the fact that there is a great deal of resentment toward the establishment in Washington. People still have this notion that elites are telling them what they should and shouldn't do. Charles Barkley is separate. Except on the Roy Moore side, everyone that's been coming in to say, elites shouldn't tell you what to do, is an elite. I mean, Steve Bannon was like, I went to Georgetown and Harvard. That generally fits into the elite (laughs) category. That's, I think, part of the problem that that, that you have sometimes when you go into these races and you nationalize the race instead of going really local. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the the weird balance. It's almost like it's been a mixed bag. Okay, we're going to wake up tomorrow and the headline's going to be what? Someone tell me a headline. Roy Moore elected to the Senate. You think? Right there? Uh, (laughs) you got to be smart money. I agree. I think think the the Bannon playbook of making this anti- uh, Washington, anti D.C., anti-GOP, anti-fake news is working. And even that with Trump's uh, robocall, it wasn't, it wasn't Roy yeah. Moore as this back-slapping guy we should hang out with. It was the Second we just Amendment. Need him it for was my the agenda. abortion issue. We're going to make Alabama great again. Stand by. Coming up, she called on him to resign. He called her a lightweight and worse. Now, she says, game on. That's next. The NDAA increases the size of the American Armed Forces for the first time in seven years, and it provides our military service members with their largest pay increase in eight years. Now Congress must finish the job by eliminating the defense sequester and passing a clean appropriations bill. I think it's going to happen. 
We need our military. It's got to be perfecto. Exactly right. That was President Trump signing a defense budget bill. It's actually a pretty big deal that they got it done and got it signed. And the only real official event, according to the White House today. But you wouldn't know it from what he's been focused on on Twitter, like igniting a war with a Democratic senator who, as the panel was just saying in the break, is kind of on a roll right now. And the mystery of the parentheses. Let's get to it. Sabrina, why would the president take on Senator Gillibrand right now with the parentheses that everyone can give me their take on? She came to me begging for contributions not so long ago. Parentheses. And would do anything for them. Go. Well, I stopped trying to get into the mind of the president when he sends tweets. But, why would but you I stop? But I think that, um, you know, the, the frustration among Republicans is that this places the focus squarely on the sexual assault allegations against the president rather than turning the discussion away toward issues that they're trying to work on in this moment. Um, But he is someone who is thin-skinned. He's defensive. He feels like he was attacked by Kristen Gillibrand. He always insists on responding. Uh, But again, this is highlighting his treatment of women, and that's not a place where the White House wants to be, especially in this watershed moment where we are having a national dialogue around harassment of women. Right, and and Republicans are going to be asked what the the heck would the president say. And he has his own history of denigrating women that they don't want to talk about. And we saw that yesterday in the briefing that several questions were asked on this topic and they continued to pass on it. If that's the case, if there's a storyline like this that you want to die, you don't tweet about it. If you have a sexual harassment news fire going, don't throw gas on it, especially when Senator Gillibrand is downwind and she's going to pick it up and roll with it. (laughs) So I think that is a problem here. And this is something they're going to have to answer for. And it's it's another another self-inflicted wound by this administration. Would he have tweeted the same? You're now the psychologist. Would he have tweeted the same if he was talking about Senator Ken Gillibrand? I have a great answer for this. In 2013, he tweeted almost the exact same thing about New York State Attorney General uh, Eric Schneiderman, who was a man. And would do anything for him? And no, he basically alluded to the fact that this is a guy who came to his office begging, offering to do favors. I mean, remember during the campaign, the whole argument over Trump saying how politicians would beg him to do things and offer to do favors for him. This was a thing. It's not necessarily, let's put it this way. In 2017, we don't really have to fish for innuendo to find sexual harassment and sexual uh, you know, assault and, and comments like this. I think this is the exact same reaction he gave when it was a male just a few years ago. He's responding to her calling on him to resign. Right. Um, why are Democrats doing this right now? It's go- not going anywhere. Like, I don't get it. Well, look, if it's for Senator Gillibrand, I don't begrudge her the desire to say, with someone within her chamber... Yeah. To say, I don't want to work with this person because of the treatment that he's uh, you know, given to women in the yeah. past. I don't want that. But the truth is, if you're going to set a standard, you have to stick to that standard. Good or bad, you have to stick to that standard. And for her to say that about a colleague in the Senate and not I, say that okay. about the President of the United States, you have to do that. Does it and have then any this happens. That, well, she's running for re-election next year. And then that's, this that's, happens. That's, that's, this is her fundraising is. email that yeah, went out today. She's running for re-election. Now, does it have an impact on the President? No. Uh, because he is going, we are trying to layer something that is completely not normal and irrational with something that is very rational and studied and learned and through experience. Can't do that in this environment. So does the president care? No. Is the president's followers, and I use that term very specifically and carefully, will they care? They're going to dig their, their heels in deep. Just more. Absolutely. More, more, Just one yeah. point, though. Um, yes, it's true that the president has, on numerous occasions, pointed to men who have offered him favors in exchange for money, there were actually four Democrats who in the last 48 hours called on him to resign. The other three were men, Jeff Merkley, Bernie Sanders, 
being among them, yeah. Cory Booker being the third. Mm. He only did single out Kirsten Gillibrand in this moment. Now, it's true that he also did donate to her campaign, so did Ivanka Trump. Uh, but I think it's impossible for people not to view this as a gendered attack. When there were right. four Democrats who called him to resign, he chose the only woman. And I, of course, always wonder that why does the president want to remind people that he was a Democrat before he was a Republican also? Because I'm not doing that. The Democrats clearly are trying to put a, a, a flag in the ground yeah. on taking the high road when it comes to these women's issues. And they will continue to pound the Republicans over the head with this. They called for Al Franken to step down. He did. So they're trying to take the high road on this. I think that's commendable. That's great. But to Basil's point, they also need to find the issue that is more galvanizing yeah. for voters, like uh, jobs and the economy and those types of issues that will make a difference. We'll, we'll maybe get back to talking about that at some point. Let's see. This is where we are, though, today. This is day 327 of President Trump's administration. That is the state of America tonight. What is the headline going to be tomorrow? God only knows. We'll see you back here. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.